Welcome to the Leadership Looks Like podcast. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. Sponsored by Leadership Excursion Company and recorded from The Coop, located in Summerlin, Las Vegas. Join us as we explore personal stories of leaders who are making incredible impacts in their businesses, lives, and communities. Get ready to be inspired, see things from a new perspective, and learn new tools to help overcome challenges. This is what leadership looks like. Do you remember what life was like in middle school? Today's guest, Jordana McCudden, teaches middle school in the fifth largest school district in the nation. What really struck me about this interview is how Mrs. McCudden goes out of her way to educate herself so that her students get the best possible education. She also has great advice for her biggest challenge. That's you, parents. Enjoy. Jordana, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you came in today. Thank you. And Jordana and I know each other because um, she's a middle school teacher, and I was invited to spend a day with her last spring. To uh, It was a part of a STEM program, which is science, technology, engineering, and math. And um, I visited her for a day and spoke with her students, which were fantastic, by the way. It was so much fun. Yeah, I had, a really, I had a really great time. So um, you're a middle school teacher. You mm, are like I right. I one of the brave. You are one of the brave. <laughs> you're right, you know, in that moment of time where everybody's very awkward and puberty <laughs> and all those things. Yes. <laughs> and I want to hear about all of that. But let's start, let's go back a little, a little ways. And how long have you known or when did you know that you wanted to be a teacher? Ooh. Um, well, when I was in high school, I had to take one of those um, – tests that you know would guide your career and sure enough teaching came up on there and I rolled my eyes at it and never not me not me I would never want to be a teacher I was 14 at the time um went to college um got a a degree in psychology and sociology worked with kids for a while and um like in a care facility um somewhere along the line just was in my 20s trying to figure out life uh and became a dealer here and then I moved to Vegas I was a car dealer for many years um dealt Jack and all those games, um, and then figured out in my like 27. Oh, I think I want to be a teacher. Yeah, and, yeah. So that's when I went back to school, and I was in Washington. I went back to school, uh, got my degree, and I started teaching in 2000. Okay, that's interesting because you hear stories all the time in Las Vegas. I'm not sure what it's like, you know, in other places in the country, but um, you know, our school district has a hard time because they'll recruit teachers to Las Vegas. And they lose them to the hospitality industry. Yes. And so it's interesting to hear your story, how it's you know, the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, well, and a lot of teachers, too, will just have a second job in um, hospitality or another just because, unfortunately, we need to sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But this whole uh, environment in Las Vegas is just crazy when you think about hospitality and being able to, to provide for yourself in a nice way without having to go through the route of college and uh you know being being as structured as we like to think you need to be to have a good career you have a good career being ballet yeah you know in this town and it well that's a whole other teaching (laughs) problem too when you're trying to uh, encourage kids to want to have a a solid education when they're like but i could just drive a car and ballet or whatever absolutely i can be a car dealer and you can you can make a good living like that if you're willing to um, have that kind of job it wasn't for me but yeah 
How much schooling did you go through before you became a teacher? So you mentioned you got your bachelor's, right? I did. I had my bachelor's when I went back. When I decided to be a teacher, um, I went back to school and got a uh, one degree that was a teaching certification and a master's degree. So I have a master's in education. Master's in teaching is what it's called for me. Um, but at the same time, it got me licensed, everything I needed to license. And that was in Washington, but then I came out here to Las Vegas because I'd been from here originally. Um, well, not originally, but mm-hmm. you had you know, in my here. younger, yeah, yeah, in my younger adulthood. Um, and came back here and um, got my teaching license out here. Um, and then teachers always have to keep up there. You know, we're always taking credits. And I, at this point, I have a master's plus 32 units, I think. And then probably next summer, I'll get a second master's. Right. I want to know more about that. We'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> How long have you been teaching now? Uh, I uh, will be starting my 18th year teaching okay. next week. What subject do you teach? I um, For years, I taught um, U.S. history, but the last year I switched to, it's technically called Explorations, but within that I taught Google Apps for Education, mm-hmm. and this year I'll be teaching web design. Ah, Yay, that's so exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. I've, I've done a lot of learning this summer. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, now, in those 17 years, so you... Originally got your degree in psychology, mm-hmm. correct? And then you went to get your master's. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you end up being a technology-related teacher? Oh, my goodness. Um, I can probably credit my husband, who is a tech nerd. He just he loves technology. Um, he is a computer tech. And so in my teaching, just over the years, as uh, the technology would filter more and more into um you know, into the schools, um, I just was one of the teachers that was like, oh, I'll try that. Um, maybe 10 years ago, there was a grant where you could get a cart of laptops. And when they were brand new, you could get a cart of um, 40 iPod touches. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, me, 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 I'll do that. Um, and was willing to be the um, the guinea pig of writing lesson plans and sharing them through the school district and what have you. Um, and then just the last couple of years, uh, CCSD became a Google Apps for Education school district. And I was, you know, just... Like, oh, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. I jumped right on board and just altered all my lesson plans to be able to include Google as much as possible. Um, and then I just got really lucky. Uh, last year, a position just happened to open at Explorations. And Explorations is a course with no curriculum. You just can you can teach whatever you want. Uh, and so I convinced my principal that we all needed to teach our students how to be on Google Apps for Education since it was available to us. Um, and so that's what I did last year. Oh, fantastic. And then yeah. your principal supported you. Absolutely. Obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. And then this year, she just was dead set wanting web design. Just I want web design, just yeah. web design. Um, and then we have um, something else that's new last year, and then it's expanding this year, is we actually have as an elective not just me for web design, but then um, somebody doing coding. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be like coding paired with robotics. Why are you personally so passionate about that, given your background? about web design and coding? Um, well, web design, I mean, I'm, I'm learning as I go, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm no guru in it. I don't have any particular training in it other than what's been self, self-taught. Um, but I believe the mindset that we are preparing kids today for jobs that don't exist yet. Um, and so if we don't do our part in education to keep kids 21st century, how can they possibly compete? How, I mean, how can they? Mm-hmm. If they don't know how to. I just was today at my school. Um, we're uh, getting rid of like paper planners where they have to write down their objective and homework every day. And we're like, okay, we're going to do it on Google Calendar. Okay, Ms. McCadden, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's having to, oh, the conversation was so interesting, having to help him, uh, my administrator, change the mindset of, why do we have them write that down? Like, can't we just 
it's and he, he was shocked that it was so and my kids will literally come pick up their phone see what's on the board for homework and it'll be typed in before you even knew what happened mm-hmm. he's like really won't it take them like eight minutes or so to like get on the computer and warm it up and stuff. And I'm like, no, just have it on their phone. You know, they just, and it's more interesting for them because that's, um, it connects with their natural life. Like that's what they do. They pick out the, pick up their phone and, you know, play music or they watch videos or they go, Hey, how do I do this? I don't know. Let me go figure it out. And they Google it. They know how to do that. So it makes sense that we would integrate that part of their lives and show them that having that technology is for so much more than playing games. And I mean, my little ones, I've got a six and eight year old too, and they're um, very adept, you know, on all the different technology. Um, But as they get older, like I also have a kid who's starting eighth grade is, okay, now what, what are you going to do with this? Like, you need to know how to type. You need to know how to use spell check. You need to, I just asked him this morning when I came back from that meeting with my administrator, would you, if you were allowed to pull out your phone and put your homework in, he's like, yeah, of course. I mean, it makes sense for them. Um, so when, when we in education are, are afraid of it, oh, we're so afraid of it. Well, what if they take out their phone and they text? I'm like, but when we were kids, we took out paper instead of writing notes and we passed notes. Like right. it's no different. Stop being afraid of it. Just learn that that's what they're going to do. And then you obviously as a teacher prevent, but saying like have your phone out on your desk you can't keep it in your lap that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um they're so afraid of it from the top down um they are oh this is so frustrating the school district because i don't know if you noticed but this last year there were several different um uh, problems that came down with teachers or other personnel at school that were um, inappropriate with students and so then their big thing is oh that must happen because of texting teachers are no longer allowed to text students and i'm like what that's how I like how you communicate, right? Oh my goodness. Especially because I I coach dance. And so that's all after school. And so that's, I mean, we have group chat. We have, you know, I mean, that's, Hey, you guys don't forget your uniform tomorrow. We're going to be performing. Mm -hmm. Um, that's just the easiest way to keep in touch with everybody. And the idea of the district taking that away, it's not going to stop any predators. They're just going to find another way, but that's the reaction from the top down. They're so afraid of technology. Um, it's like, they don't want to embrace the fact that, but that it's here. So let's work within it. Um, Personally, I think I'm protected. If I'm texting my kids, you want to see what my conversation was? It wasn't Absolutely. on the phone where you have no idea what I just, I'm telling you what I said. You can go back in school and you can, you can read my entire conversation and know that everything was okay from, from you know, nothing inappropriate was happening. Yeah. Yeah. That is the, the plus side of using Google tools also. First of all, you know, organizations are using these tools. Yep. So it is great. And even if it's not Google, you know, there's all different types of tools out there. And that's how businesses are uh, organizing themselves. It's how they communicate with one another. And like you said, it, it, it really does increase communication and build in accountability, you know, and, and um, what are you doing personally to help educate uh, the the school district or the people who are making these types of decisions, or is that possible? Um, I'm not really out there with the school district. It's just our school district is so big and complex, but in my building where I feel like I can um, definitely affect some change. Um, I just have talked a lot about it with my mm-hmm. principal again, convincing her I had to convince her to allow my expressions class be Google apps for education. Um, I, you know, I'm going to be running a, um, they're called SBCTs. I don't know what they stand for. Okay. Um, but there are weekly <laughs> meetings that we have to do. Um, you have that teachers get educated on, on how to integrate Google calendar. Um, you know, I just, I, I'm definitely one of the people on campus that people go to with, they're like, okay, I'm ready to take the plunge. And 
try Google Classroom, what do I do? And I just make sure my door's open to always allow for that, um, encourage it, you know, at meetings and stuff. I mean, I definitely am building push um, the, the doing it rather than the not doing it. Yeah. So you are learning all of this on your own. Mm-hmm. Have you spent this summer preparing yourself for I this did. upcoming semester? I, <laughs> I said semester like it's college, but this upcoming school year. I did. Um, I um, Last summer, this, the, the previous summer when I knew I was going to be doing, um, actually before I got the job teaching Google Apps for Education, I just on my own wanted to be Google certified. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd spent a few weeks. I mean, I'm already pretty adept at Google, so it wasn't that hard, but um, I wanted that certification. And so you take their little classes and you take their, they have a real proctored exam and there's level one and level two. So I got my level two. Um, this summer, um, teaching web design, I was able to convince, yay, my principal to um, purchase a license for um, a uh, an online program that's kind of all set up for kids. Um, and so then I just started going through the program as I was a student. So I can see from their perspective, learning HTML and CSS and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just trying to figure out then from the teacher's perspective how I grade and how I keep them accountable and stuff. But I mean, I'm, I'm definitely learning as I go. Um, but I, I can be a step ahead of them. Yeah. And I love that you also have a coding class because in the real world, in technology, those groups are separate. So you'll have a web design team that that might work on front end web development, and then you have a back end coding team. So um, do you have a good relationship with that teacher? Absolutely. So you, you know, We're you could very do good friends. Yeah. Um, and he's, um, and we've even had this discussion too about, you know, what is the difference between our two courses and, um, you know, he, you know, his is also paired with robotics or it will like one classes, but the rest of them I think will follow as it expands. Um, but he's teaching just the, um, not just like HTML or CSS, but he's teaching the idea of what coding is on a broad scale to help them think like coders. Um, and then teaching them like, uh, his will be a three year, like coding one, coding two, coding three from sixth, seventh and eighth grade. So then he'll progress with them through his different apps and stuff that he has. He's got robots and all kinds of, oh, how neat. um, uh, he's got spheros and just that kind of stuff. So the whole idea of coding to not just sitting in a computer coding, um, this year I'm doing like the actual, like HTML, CSS coding mm-hmm. stuff. And then next year it'll be more geared towards actually designing. Like what does good design look like? Um, you know, what should your webpage look like? And from that different end, um, yeah. I haven't gotten that far yet, but right. that'll be my project for next summer to learn, you know, how to do web press and so forth. Um, and just the look of things more than just the coding. So like right now our, our classes are kind of similar in that it's the, um, you know, more of the back end, but then we'll kind of veer off. Yeah. So, so you're really on your own as far as putting this curriculum together. How do you get evaluated as a teacher? Oh, that's a great question. Um, probably cause I know more about them, what I'm doing than they do because so. they have no clue. <laughs> Um, but they, I mean, when they come in and evaluate, and this is for any teacher, when they come in and evaluate, they are looking at your teaching, not your subject. Sure. So, I mean, I always appreciated that my, my hardest years being evaluated were by teacher, were, were by, um, my supervisors that had been history teachers. They, uh, they, you know, they wanted to, uh, really nitpick. I wouldn't do it that way kind of thing. Whereas when I have, uh, administrators come in who don't know about my subject, then they're really just looking at your teaching. How's your classroom management? I mean, if they're learning along with the kids and they know it was a really good lesson. Yeah. Um, and so I, that's better for me. So when they come in, they have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and they can, they listen and then they understand, they know that I've taught it well. So, I mean, that's, it's better. Um, but they just, they don't look at, 
do I know what I'm doing with coding as much as what's my classroom management like? You know, if they ask kids questions, because they'll do that, do the kids know what's going on in class? Can they explain? Because that means that I've been teaching them. So they look at it from that end more than um, <laughs> the, the nitpicking of the subject. Yeah, which is good that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And, you know, the kids know, too. You, I'm sure you're learning from the kids as well. Oh, yeah. You know, as you go. Oh, and I'm totally know. unabashed by that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a supervisor in um, <laughs> towards the end of the year, and she was observing me. And uh, I can't remember what we were working on, but, um, a, you know, a kid had a question. And we were doing coding at the time, which I was more green on then than I even am now. And um, I'm like, I don't know. Hey, who knows how to blah, blah, blah. Kids raise their hand. I sent somebody over there. And, uh, you know, and then the, the supervisor thought that was great. You know, she's like, it's great that you're encouraging the kids to collaborate, to work together, to problem solve together. Um, so, and it is good for them. It gives that kid confidence who help, who helped. It gives the community, you know, of we're all in this together kind of thing. And you know mm-hmm. what? The teacher doesn't have to know everything. I don't have well, to know everything. Here's the other thing. You're in middle school. You, you're really trying to expose the kids to as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm, I'm an outsider kind of thinking and maybe projecting a little bit, but, um, you know, just exposing kids to a topic that they might never, um, be able to touch or feel or code or, uh, it gives them an opportunity to see if they really want to, to learn and be an expert level, right. you know, coder or designer or a user experience person, something right. like that. Right. Maybe they've never, you know, they're on the computers all the time, but my husband always calls it, it's the magic box for people who don't know anything about it. Yeah. I don't know. It just works. Right. So it is nice to give kids that um, insight to it. And if they don't like it, then they, they still learn how to think, which is good about coding. Um, mm-hmm. And if they do like it, awesome, because then they can um, move into the actual coding class the next year. They can, um, you know, their schools now in high school that they have real serious web design, coding, robotics. They compete nationally in robotics. I mean, so it's a great way for them to kind of fill it out, just as they would with any other elective, and see if they like it. So it's, um, and I think um, the legislature just this summer passed um, a law that says that all middle schools now have to offer STEM. They have to offer some type of, they can't um, just have it be, in the past it's been banned, choir, art. They mm-hmm. have to offer computer stuff now. Okay. Which is awesome. And you're talking about Las Vegas, right? In, um, I believe it's the whole state, the state legislature. So the Nevada state, state legislature. And that okay. just passed, so I'm not sure when. I'm sure they have to give you time, uh, you know, the school's time to enact it. Um, but I would guess it's if it's not this school year, it's for the next school year that it has to be done by then. So, I mean, bravo for them for doing that. Absolutely. Maybe it'll be t- like elementary school. <laughs> next that they have to yeah and the clark county school district which is southern nevada i don't remember it's ranked in the top 10 um as far as size isn't it fifth Fifth? in the nation we are fifth largest in the nation yeah it's huge huge it's huge so um having stem you know as part of that is i think is pretty important it makes a big difference especially like we were talking before when we're a hospitality town and it can be so easy for kids to get drawn into um, making money without um having to really work their brain it's nice to start offering things that maybe um you know will help keep them wanting to get an education and yeah. to further their education yeah now for you you are uh, you're learning all of this on your own as you go and then you also mentioned earlier how there are classes that you also need to take as a professional as a teacher what does that look like um, it really can look very broad depending on what you want to take. Um, all we need are six units uh, every time we have to relicense, um, and they can be um, just 
through, um, oh, the name's escaping me because I just, I'm so bad about <laughs> keeping up with them. I usually wait till like it's due at the end of the okay. six years or whatever and then get all my units. Um, I tend to take the master's classes though, just, I already have a degree, so I, I, I want more master's level classes, but you can take just professional, that's what it was, professional development. Um, and the school district, district offers some that you can take. Um, they can be as simple as they've got classes now that you can take on how to use Google Classroom and all these Google apps. Um, they've had them before on like how to use the email correctly. Like they can be really basic, but then they can be definitely much more like um, how to include ELL students in your curriculum, how to... And what does ELL Oh, that's for English language learners. Um, You know, it can be very specific for your subject. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, because I'm certified K-8 elementary, um, it kind of opens up a broad, you know, um, amount of classes that will work for... um, a, a wide variety of kids so a lot of like classroom management classes which is just how to make kids behave like how to make your classroom run structure so that kids aren't running amok which sounds it kind of can sound foo-foo-y but um that is the thing you have to do as a teacher it doesn't matter how great your lesson is if your kids are not paying attention because they're paying, playing with their fidget spinners or yeah. whatever uh your lesson doesn't matter so um classroom management stuff um uh, just, you know, um, there's just anything that you might be interested in on becoming better at, um, you can always find classes on. So it's flexible. Oh, yeah. So there's a ton, tons of options, and then you can choose the ones. Absolutely. And how beneficial do you think that is? It can be uh, as beneficial for you as you allow it to be. You yeah. know, if I just take cl- a class because it met my requirements, so it's good it was for elementary, uh, and it was boring for me, then I just wasted my time, but I get my you know, get my credits. Um, you can make it, um, when I was first teaching history, cause I'm also not a history person. I taught history for 15 years, but that was a learn as I go thing too. I just kind of fell into that position. Um, so I definitely had to learn as I went. And I remember taking, um, gosh, six credits, I think at UNLV, um, with like weekend course, like we'd have these like all day Saturdays and it was for over a whole year learning about us history. They'd have people come in and talk to us. It was a really big deal. And I learned a lot. Um, and I needed that at the time. So it was very nice to to have uh, an opportunity, an opportunity to really get more depth into what I was teaching rather than just learning from the textbook. Um, so, I mean, you, you just, you make it for you as useful as you want it to be. I mean, I'm sure teachers are lazy about it and take some, and I'm, I've been guilty in the past of just taking classes to get them done. Um, but there's definitely tons of stuff out there um, for, you know, my next thing will be like computer stuff. Like yeah. I should learn more about this. Yeah. Um, and so that'll be my next task. Yeah, that's interesting. So you uh, you taught history mm-hmm. and then now you're teaching technology. Mm-hmm. And you did not go to school for any of, for any of this. <laughs> no. Nope. How does that happen? Um, goodness, how does that happen? Um, well, my my... Uh, teaching license says K-8 elementary, which means I can teach any any subject within uh, for uh, K to sixth grade. So mm-hmm. I could I could be moved into sixth grade and teach math or science, which I know nothing about. They should never do that with me. Don't put me in there. Um, and then I I taught elementary for a year uh, and knew that wasn't for me. Whoa, they're very small. And um, you ended up getting a job teaching history because this was before No Child Left Behind, and I was so new to teaching and so green, I didn't really know everything, but at the time, you didn't have to have your specialty license say that you taught, like your um, your endorsements on your license say that you taught math or history or whatever, so I, I lucked into that job, and by the time um, No Child Left Behind kicked in, and we had to be what's called highly qualified for our subject areas, um, part of the requirement for me was... 
um, if you didn't have a degree in your subject that you taught, you had to have a master's degree and have taught that subject for three years. And at the third year, I, that, that, I was set. I, I had just finished my third year teaching history, so I'm highly qualified to teach social studies, so I could teach uh, history of geography, seventh and eighth grade, and any subject sixth grade. And they can put me where they <laughs> right. where they want me. But, I mean, the highly qualified thing is, is good because, again, otherwise just throwing me into math would be, oh, my gosh, those poor kids, a disaster for importance or art even. You know, I don't know anything about art. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just helps to make sure that teachers are qualified at the subject. I mean, at the elementary level, it's definitely more broad, and you have to know more technique in, in teaching. Um, but I can't imagine being in high school and having them move you around without knowing um, even like uh, if you're a, a science teacher, I mean, that's so broad. I mean, I'm sure you're better at physics than you are at chemistry. Those are really serious subjects. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'm just thinking, you know, so No, no Child Left Behind was something I, the, the Bush administration mm-hmm. administered that, right? Yep. And regardless of the administration that comes in, you know, anytime there's a new president that's elected and a new um and I don't even know the title of the person. Department of Education. Department well, right of Education. Right now it's, and it's, it's DeVos. It's DeVos right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious to know what that's like for you as a teacher. You're in the trenches every day. Not, we don't need to get specifics into the politics part of it or those decisions, but what is that like for you as a teacher when those types of dramatic changes happen? Um, it, they can be dramatic. Like No Child Left Behind was very dramatic, but mm-hmm. it's also very slow because there's a long process um, for the laws to get passed and then for them to roll out. You know, they don't, uh, No Child Left Behind didn't happen, and then all of a sudden I was like, whoa, I'm not allowed, I'm not qualified to teach this. So there definitely is a rollout, and the longer you're in education, the more you... Um, you, the, the pendulum, we just teachers always say the pendulum just slowly swings back and forth, back and forth. And so over the years, I've just learned it does that. Um, and so anytime they make changes, um, just you kind of just roll with it. And so there was a lot of training on, oh, so many trainings I remember on um, how to become highly qualified what you needed to do. It's going to happen two years from now, so start working on it. And you just kind of learn to roll with it. And then um, more quickly, when they make change to the state level, that can roll down. But even that's not quick. Like they changed a couple years ago the way that teachers are evaluated to something called the NEPF, which I don't know. I can't think of I don't okay. know for sure what that stands for either, but we just call it the NEPF. Um, and it just, they completely changed the evaluation system. And before they did that, I mean, we had so many trainings on that. We had practices, and here's what it's going to look like, and um, let's have people come in and evaluate you, and we'll write it up and see what that looks like. I mean, so much went into it before it actually happened um, that you just, for me anyway, I just, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Like they, it'll come. Is there a feedback loop for teachers? So something new is, is being implemented. And during that training, you know, as they're implementing these new changes, is there a chance for you to say, hey, this this does or doesn't work, whatever I'm sure that might. there is. Yeah. Um, probably they ask principals to, and, and it might just be select principals, what we'll take. Like um, when NEPF was coming down a couple of years ago, I think my school was one of the, like the testing schools. Um, let's just see what this looks like. So they, they put it into practice before they send it out to everybody, obviously to tweak. Um, everything. I'm sure my principal asked us for feedback that she gave back to them. I can't really remember specifics, but um, I mean, they 
they make their best effort. I mean, as much as there can be an adversarial relationship, especially a negotiations time between like CCSD and teachers and stuff. I mean, we're all in it for the same reason at the end of the day. And uh, we knew NEPF was coming down. Um, and we are invested in it because it's ultimately what affects us. So we definitely, every time they, they do, they send out like surveys, what do you think of this? Or how, is your school being effective and helping? I mean, they... Um, seem to ask our feedback what they do with it. I don't get to know because it's all the way kind of at their end, but um, at least once a year, but probably more often than that, um, they send out surveys to all the teachers in the school district asking for feedback. They ask for parent feedback all the time, student feedback once a year, students uh, fill out a CCSD survey as well. So, I mean, they at least make the attempt to hear what we, you know, what's going on in the trenches, what they do with that, I don't know. Yeah. How important is leadership for you uh, in your position as a teacher, um, incredibly important. You know, it's I've um, I've been at my school for um, this will be my fifteenth year um, at Canarelli, and we are on our third principal. And so, um, having a different principal leader, and then how that um, diffuses down into the administrative team, has a great effect on how that then goes down, trickles down to the teachers, and ultimately the kids. Um, so it's really important to have um, a leader who comes in with a really strong vision of what they want it to look like and then can mold the school to be that. Um, when we haven't had a leader that had a vision, it was very uh, like and like waves on the ocean. We just didn't know. I mean, decisions were made and then changed right away. And um, it, there was no um, – teachers just weren't comfortable uh, just a lot of like we don't know what's going on and that nervousness that um, sense of we don't know what's guiding us um, definitely goes through you know go, trickles down to the kids and I think that um, ultimately that you know we're a five-star school I don't know I mean, didn't like kill their education but I'm sure that there was just a, a, a different flow to the school yeah um, so I mean I just I think that um, I think that CCSD would definitely benefit from um making sure that they are hiring because um, all principals all administrators who are teachers first you have to be a teacher first and mm-hmm. so they um you know really need to be selective on um it shouldn't just be a good teacher i mean that's a it's a good quality but it's not the end all be all quality of a good principal um it's good to have somebody who, who knows the trenches who's in the classroom but there's definitely leadership qualities um and just because you pass a leadership program i don't think it means that you have those qualities and, and they should be able to identify those qualities and and yeah. find them in people and not high, you know just there's just yeah not everybody on it right right, right. Um, what are the qualities of a good leader in your opinion um I definitely think um, somebody who remembers that they came from the classroom. And so you know that when you move on, you definitely have a broader perspective, but you can never forget what it's like ultimately in the trenches with the kids. Um, always respect people as people. I mean, I think, I guess, um, the, um, I would see teachers as leaders in their classrooms, and I just would want that to be for administration also. So from my perspective, um, I try to... Um, treat students as human beings. They're just human beings. They're not less than or anything else. They're just the younger versions of us. Um, you just try to treat people as whole people and treat them with respect and know that they walk around with a lot. Um, and it's more than the snapshot you see of them. And just try to make sure that your goal is clear for them and that 
you do your part to make sure that goal is attainable. And so from a principal's then or other administrator standpoint, same thing. If you know, how do you want your building to look? You know, what do you want when you walk in classrooms? What do you want to see? Um, what are you giving your teachers then? And how are you treating them to make sure that that is attainable, um, that they feel uh, valued on campus and um, that their voices are heard and that if they're not doing the right thing, that you're going to help them to do the right thing. It's not a discipline issue as much as, whoa, I see that you're having some trouble there. Let's get you the help that you need as opposed to being afraid or um, worried that you're going to be in trouble. Um, you know, it should be, uh, you, you should be leading from the idea that we're all in this together. We all have the same goal. What can we do together to, to make it happen? Mm-hmm. How do you motivate your students? I think just by treating them with respect, I do. I push them a lot. I'm pushy. They'll tell you. Uh, I spent a day with you in the classroom. I, I know. Um, I definitely have, you know, high expectations about um, about themselves and about how to treat people. Um, I think that, um, I, I don't know. I just, I guess in the end, it's about seeing them as whole people. And um, kids that are struggling or kids that are misbehaving aren't just doing, they might not be doing it because they're punks or whatever, like, you know, we'd like to say in our heads. It, it's oftentimes, you know, they had a bad morning, you know, they got yelled at by their mom or, um, you know, I used to get so mad at kids. Oh, you didn't do your homework. Um, and then I realized not everybody, you know, has a place to do homework or has a quiet place to go to at home or, um, some cases has a home, you know, I mean, there's other things going on in their lives. Um, so much more, so much more I've learned than we, we just, we just even understand. And, um, when you acknowledge that in kids and when you give them the room to, to be those other people, they're not just, they're a student teacher relationship. They walk around not as just student, but their son, daughter, their aunt, their cousin, their neighbor. They're all those things all at the same time. And when you acknowledge that for them and allow them the room to be all those things without lowering your expectations, um, they just, they feel valued and then they want to do well. They want, they know that it's a safe environment to do well and to, to, um, do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Do you take time to learn that about your students? I try to. Yeah. I try to. It's harder in my regular classes, but um, at Canterbury, we have um, what you and I probably remember as homeroom. We have advisory. And so it's a, a small class at the beginning of the day, and um, they give us lesson plans. But I've learned over the years, I just, I don't look. And I, 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 I do things like what I just said, where it's not necessarily me sitting down one-on-one with kids going, Hey, how's your day? Mm-hmm. Um, Hey, are you ever, you know, did, did you talk to your mom this morning? Or, you know, it can't always be those things, but just trying to develop a community in that classroom where at least the first class of their day was a place that they felt welcomed and loved. So I do a lot of, um, like Kagan stuff. Kagan is a, like a, um, uh, cooperative learning, um, theory. Um, there's all kinds of books and stuff, but it's just about communicating basically and just developing, um, connections with, um, kids in the classroom, not just with teacher student, but kids amongst themselves. So we play like silly games a lot. Um, I've got them like doing really races, popping balloons with their tushes on chairs, that kind of stuff. Um, and then, um, sometimes it's just silly, but a lot of times it's just then developing communication skills with each other and, um, I try to share personal things with them so they know it's a safe place to share things like that. And so then oftentimes kids will come up and 
either like tell me stuff's going on or, you know, they walk in every day. And if they walk in and they've got that look on their face where I say, hey, good morning, how are you? And they say, fine. But I'm like, you know what? Your face is not telling me you're fine. Mm-hmm. I, I'll make time to pull them aside at some point. Um, you know, just check in with them. You know, yeah. Hey, what's going on? I just, you know, I noticed you, you're saying fine, but you don't look fine. And maybe they just needed somebody to notice that about them. Um, and then they, they feel like somebody's noticing. Yeah. And you're building that rapport, that relationship with them. And, you know, um, I did not remember this until you mentioned your advisory classroom, but the day that I spent with you that morning, you, your, your class won an award. What day was that? Was that the day we learned that we were going to Wet n' Wild? Yes, you were going to Wet n' Wild. (laughs) That was a big day. Yeah, it was. And everybody was so excited. (laughs) How, what was that competition like? How was your Oh, it's so much fun. Yeah. So um, at my school, we have, uh, it's called class of the year. And um, over the year, there's all kinds of ways that your advisory class can earn points um, by bringing a box tops, by donating toys to a toy drive at Christmas time, um, donating canned foods, um, just by other ways too. It's not always donating. It's, um, we have things on campus called caught you being the change. So if a, a, an adult on campus notices that you just did something great, you held the door open for somebody or some kid dropped their binder and you stopped to help, you know, pick up, you give them a caught you being the change slip. So we get points for kids having done that. Um, I, I, it's summertime, so I can't remember all the yeah. different things, but it just, and it, and it adds up over the year. And so then at the end of the um, year, when they're done tallying, the winning classes from each grade level get to go on a field trip to Wet n' Wild. So that was our day. It was so much fun. Yeah. Um, and then this year, I'm really excited because, um, you know, my class was, I had Colt TV, right? That one class that we, we do the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, that class this year is going to be my advisory. So I have the, um, a lot of the same kids from last year and then a whole bunch of, um, my advisory kids, my sixth graders from last year, wanted to be in Colt TV this year. So then those kids are now in that class too. So we already kind of have a built-in community. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, my kids that were in advisory, they know how I roll. They're, I'm like, come on, you guys, you got to bring in the cans. It's diaper drive time. Let's go. And I'm like texting them, don't forget to, you know. I mean, I'm really pushy about that. But I do that um, partially because I'm competitive. I was I going totally to say. I admit it. Absolutely. <laughs> I love winning that. Oh, my gosh, I love winning. Um, but... It gives us a, like what I love about the class of the year competition is that it gives us a purpose of rallying together. So if we're all in this and together to win, then now we've got that common goal. And then from there, I can develop my community. So, I mean, it's much like, you know, hey, you Cubs fan, me too. You know, now you've got something in common that you're excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, we all have, a, from, from the first day of school, we all have a common goal that everybody can participate in. Sometimes it's wearing silly shirts on silly shirt day or whatever. Everybody can participate. And in the end, we get this great, you know, look how hard that was. Like, look what we did over the year. And we beat out every other class. And now we get this big day. And it's just, it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, and it just, you know, at the end of it, because they'll be like, oh, man, Miss McCutton, she's so, you know, oh, she never leaves us alone about that. But afterwards, I'm like, wasn't that good? They're like, yeah, it was so nice to work hard and then see that payoff at the end. Yeah, absolutely. And I was there that day, and the kids were just floored. They loved right. it. All right, you're a, you're a competitive person. Yes, I am. <laughs> you like to win. I do. Uh, how do you handle challenges? Well, first of all, a better question. Um, what are some of the, the biggest challenges that you face as a teacher? Um, parents. Gosh, yeah. I hate to say that. Um, and not, I don't mean that in a bad way as, as it, um, like my, uh, one of the things that have been, it's been percolating in my head for a while 
is, um, you know, where do we lack? Like, where do we where do we need help? And um, every year, oh gosh, for like ten years, I've been on the um, like the school improvement team. Um, and every year, we're like, how do we get parents involved? How and we just can't do it in middle school. Um, and I just there's somewhere where in elementary school they're young and, and parents come in and they're volunteering and they go to all the little programs, or whatever. And then in middle school, they're just not there anymore they're just i think they think oh my kids got it and really this is like the time they need the parents the most because they just went from like having one teacher to having six teachers and so much responsibility is put on kids um and it's so much to juggle and they get a lot of kids get lost even kids that were straight a's in in elementary school they come and they're like deer in the headlights poor little things um and, and parents are kind of non-existent and so and then from the teacher's perspective it's so difficult because yeah i know phone calls i know if i make that phone call but I also have 150 kids and it takes longer to get to know your kids and every time something happens I can't make who can make a phone call every time Mm -hmm. Um, and that is such a challenge of wanting to get the parents more involved Um, having the time as a teacher to reach out to parents um, because if it's just like a letter you send home to all the kids I mean how parents are you know I'm the same way because I've got kids too yeah another thing let me sign it and move on with my day um, so just wanting to have parents um, not wait until it's a problem before there's some intervention done. Um, that is a huge hurdle for me this year. Uh, and it has been for many years, but this year, like, I'm tackling it this year. I'm going to do something about it. I don't know what it is. You don't but know what, but you want to do something. something. Yeah. Um, I was actually invited to do, um, through the Public Education Foundation, a leadership program that um, it's over the entire year, once a month, we twice a month we meet. Um, and at the end, there's a capstone project. So I have no idea what any of that means. All I know is my goal is going to be within that, um, figuring out a way to, to get parents more involved in middle school. Yeah. And you're you're saying that's a challenge. Oh, huge. How? Why is it a challenge? Um, time, time to communicate with them. There's too many. I've got 150 kids. Um, they don't. We invite them to campus all the time for things, um, and they'll come for big things like, oh, my kids in choir, and there's a big choir concert. Parents come. They're good for coming for that. Or my kid got an award, but they're just not present on campus the way that they are in elementary school regularly. Um, you know, sometimes I make a phone call, and a lot of times I make a phone call. Most times I make a phone call if something's really gone wrong, and I have to call a parent, and they're, you know, they want to back you up, and they do back you up. But then sometimes it's just, well, I don't know, they're like this at home too, um, and and if we don't. If we're not all working together, I mean, education is a three-legged stool. It's parents, kids, and teachers. And, and if we're not all actively working together, it can fall apart. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's very hard to get parents. who are like, I don't know what to do with them. I don't know either. I'm like, yeah. Oh. Right. <laughs> you don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> yeah, and they're just doing their best too, right? Yeah. But like you said, it'd mm-hmm. be nice to just have to be able to have those conversations where yeah. you can at least work on it, right? Yes. And so email, like over the years, because back in the day when I started teaching, email was not so prevalent, but I mean, email does help email communications, but again, just time. Um, and then I think too that um, at this age, kids kind of want their parents to disappear. I mean, mm-hmm. that, I think that's part of the reason why parents kind of fall off the face of the earth, you know, on the middle school campuses is because I know that my son doesn't want mom hanging around. Yeah. Um, you know, it's embarrassing for them or whatever, I don't know, like whatever their, their thing is. And so it just, it, it, it kind of does make it break down. And um, gosh, they're about to head off to high school where there's, they're on their own. Um, 
I can't even imagine. I mean, I'm sure there's there's so little parent involvement at that point. Um, but they're, they're still kids. Yeah. Like, they still That's, need guidance. Yeah, they're in middle school. So sometimes they might need, you know, the kid. there's the kid side of them that comes out, and other times there's the adult side, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. How... Do, how should a parent get involved from from a teacher's perspective? You know, when um, you say parents should get more involved, what are what are those things? Definitely talk every day. What did you learn in school today? Do you mm-hmm. have any homework? If they say no, they're lying. They always have some kind of yeah. homework. Um, well, he said he. Yeah, we always hear that in conferences. Well, but he says he has no homework ever. I'm like, oh no, clearly not true. Um, definitely these days, it's so easy to keep up with your kids' grades because everything's in real time online through uh, through our school district through Infinite Campus. So check it regularly. Okay. Um, I because um, my son's um, you know at middle school with me, poor little lamb, um, and so I have Infinite Campus on my phone, and every single time a grade is put in, I get a notification on my phone. So it tells me, hey, check and see, and so I'm always on him. So a lot of times parents still are kind of, well, I don't know, I didn't get the Infinite Campus password. Get it, like get it, get it on your phone um keep up because then every single time something comes in you can see and if they as soon as they start to slack off you're right there like there's like my son has real consequences you know if if something comes up missing he is off screens there's no screens in his life until that gets fixed i don't care you know you just turn it in the next day and it takes a teacher two weeks to put it in oh well you never should have had it missing i mean there's real consequences for him um and that helps kind of keep him because he doesn't want to get punished um, back in the day, like when we were in school, it was like report card time. What do you mean you had a you know D on in science or whatever? There's just no reason for that now. So keep up with him, your your kids. If not day to day, just at least week to week, once a week, check Infinite Campus. Um, if if there you feel like something's wrong, contact the teacher. Um, I know as a teacher, an Infinite Campus is uh, definitely not helpful in this. Um, as our new grading system, um, I often don't know. If I put in a grade, I don't see, unless I click about 12 times, how it affected little Johnny's overall grade. Um, I just I don't see that. Um, and so you have a better chance as the parent to definitely you know just get online and just check. And you can just do a quick check to make sure everything's where you expect it to be or where you where you want it to be. And if not, call email. Like we're all, we want to contact you, but mm-hmm. um, you don't want to wait till report card time to find out. Um, that there's a problem and a lot of parents still do oh hey let's have a parent conference well it's the end of the semester yeah you know this has been going on all year and parents have an opportunity to learn about this because you have uh, open house yep right at the beginning, house, of, right the beginning of the year mm-hmm. the first week i think that first friday we have open house um all parents in ccsd have to input their information in infinite campus every single year so they should all have their passwords it's all right there you have no excuses you have to do it and it's so important especially the older that they get because the more freedom we give kids the more chance they have to screw up and they they want our guidance like they you know stay on them because then it'll teach them to 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 do it you know um yeah but put infinite campus on your phone (laughs) set it up make sure you click the little there's a little did you just click to get notifications and then you're updated all the time um which for parents of older kids it'll also tell you if they're skipping school because as soon as it comes up that they that they missed um a class or even a whole day you'll get a notification about that too so that's um you know that's good information too yeah <laughs> and um what's the difference for you uh, between a, one of your students that has a parent who is paying attention or doing these things that you're suggesting and, and one who doesn't oh um huge if the kid is struggling so i mean there's a lot of kids that really are just they're they they they're in a habit of 
caring about school and they do well um, without it, you know, at least from my end, I don't see the parent contact. I mean, I'm sure parents are on it, um, but this will do well. Um, but I've had kids that were struggling and um, I've contacted the parent, hey, just to let you know something's going on or, you know, Johnny was, you know, kind of adopted me today, and that's the third time this week. And and I've had parents that regularly then from that point will keep checking in with me, emailing me. Um, if a grade comes up missing, emailing, hey, what does Johnny need to do? Um, can he still get it done? You know, um, and the kid knows there's no way around it. There's no dad's on it, mom's on it, whatever. They're communicating with me. That's The kids know that's the end. If parent and teacher are communicating, they know that they have to do what they need to do. Yeah. Um, versus if I call and then there's no follow-up, um, you know, the kid just learned, eh, it didn't matter. Right. Uh, and there's only so much song and dance that teachers can do from our end, you know, to get kids to work. Um, you know, the, we all have to work together. Yeah. You know, to make that happen. Um, so parents are a challenge. And we've we've covered that. What about just you personally? What what's one of the biggest challenges you face as a teacher? Oh, um, time time is always a challenge. Um, I this the, this new year just teaching new subject. I guess will be a challenge, and just um, uh, I it, I can't predict. You know, if I taught. Um, history for so long, 15 years that um, I had it down. It was a, a well-oiled machine, you mm-hmm. know, even when I did new lessons and I did. Um, I taught long enough that I knew I, I could predict how that would go or I would, um, I could kind of figure it out as I went, you know, because I've been teaching so long. But with this, I like literally don't know. Like, well, this is this is my plan. We'll see how it works. Uh-huh. Um, but I definitely um, have to kind of let go that I don't really know how it's going to work. And I have to. I'd like to have a plan. I usually have like a whole month planned at a time um, with lesson planning and stuff. And I've had to uh, realize that I just I have to let that control go and know that I've set it up but I don't know what it's going to look like in real practice. And I'm, I'm going to have to make changes as I go. And, um, which is one of the reasons why I like teaching something new because I wanted to challenge myself to do that. Cause I, I like to like what I'm doing, you know, I like to know what I'm doing and, um, I can be really rigid. So the challenge for me is to kind of get out of my comfort zone and, um, expand myself and, and be okay with not knowing. Right. Everything. Which is always hard. Yes. It's always very hard. Yes. Where will you go if you don't know something? Do you have uh, a certain, you know, a certain place where you get your information or a person or a group of people? Um, depending on what the subject is. Yeah. Um, my campus is a, it's just a very warm campus. Um, and we're very collaborative and there's a lot of people on campus I could ask, you know, uh, my code, my teacher who does the, the coding stuff, you know, <laughs> definitely helpful <laughs> with this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. if it's really techie then my husband helps me out which is really nice so we have a good tech guy on campus too that's a former Canarelli student okay um well, how fun <laughs> yeah it is really fun um and so um that's helpful but I mean administration is really open uh, I mean they're all just um again we're all in it together um and so depending on what the the different problem might be um whether it be classroom management ideas, you know, there's a couple of people I would go to for that. If it's, holy cow, I don't know what to do with the new, oh, there's a whole system of like gathering CUs to get our hours in. If you want to move up the pace, I don't know. Like there's people I'd have to talk, you know, there's people on campus that know. I mean, just, yeah. And everybody's that's, good. and CUs are your own individual curriculum it's our well there's a whole new system now for pay increases that used just to be through like getting credits through university but now it's called um credit hours to use credit units or whatever um and it's it's new so everybody's we're all waiting through this and and nobody really knows 
like if we're doing it right, nobody has any clue, but it's like we've together like 252 of these CUs, which is so many when you might get one here and five there or whatever. Um, so we're all just, I mean, it, we're all just figuring it out together. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there's people that you just, I you mean, just everybody's have, good about helping. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really great. Yeah. What does a typical day look like for you? Well, a school day. Um, well, I get to work really early. It's like seven. Um, cause I like to have time to chat with people and to kind of slowly get everything going. Um, I have my advisory class first. Um, and so, um, I always want to have something for them, um, that we're working on. Actually, I'm going to do something new with advisory this week or this year. I just um, got something from a friend of mine and it's all about um, just mindfulness um, and it's all these lessons. So I'm, I'm getting ready to kind of delve into that um, and just every week pick a new, um, like, you know, it's gratitude and um, awe, you know, and, and what is that? And, um, you know, how can we make that part of our lives? Um, so a new challenge for me with that. So I'll be working on that, um, for advisory. Um, I'll have my Colt TV class first period. And so we film what's going on on campus. Um, so I new, you know, new group of students for that. Um, like half new, half, you know, half returning. And so we have to figure that all out again. Um, and then my, all my other classes are going to be this new web design class. So, um, we'll see how that goes, but it really should be self-driven for them. It's all, it's all online and it's all self-paced, much like adults would take a class. Okay. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And, um, I think that in my head they'll be on the computers, but, um, I will make my rounds and by the end of every week we'll have checked in with every kid individually. So my goal is to make sure to have regular conversations with my kids at least once a week for each um, student. Um, I have a prep six period, which um, <laughs> probably my time to regroup and eat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, just, just, you just make plans for the next day or I just, I, I, I coach dance also. So uh, probably a lot of prep for that. And then I have, you know, after school, um, a couple days a week I have dance, um, practices and then on the weekends, lots. Um, and then I go home and I'm a mom. Yeah. Full day. Oh, it's a full day. Yeah. It's a full day. What do you do to recharge to take care of yourself? Um, summer break is really what recharges me during the year. I don't, I, I really don't, um, I don't know. I read, I read a lot of read. I don't read novels or anything. I read the news. Mm -hmm. Um, I listen to podcasts. We had that conversation. I love podcasts. Um, I walk. My new goal this year is to get up before work, not save it for the end of the day. I'm getting up a little bit earlier and I'm going to walk for 30 minutes every morning just to, you know, kind of give me that, I guess, recharging in the morning instead of after, you know, after my day, mm -hmm. um, just hanging out. I'm a kind of an introvert which I know people don't think teachers are introverts, but I'm totally introvert. I just like to come home. I want to sit. I want to relax. I want some quiet, which never happens because yeah. I've got three kids at home. Um, yeah. I don't know. Just spending time with my kids. What's your favorite podcast? Ooh, Pod Save America. Yeah. So it's very political. We don't want to get into too much politics. Um, um, cereal was the one that got me started, though. Did you listen to the cereal? I did listen oh, to cereal. Oh, my goodness. So good. Um just a lot of, um, yeah, the whole, uh, pod save America, there's a whole series of them that are really good. Um, 
New York Times Daily, like every day they kind of do a recap on the news. It's really interesting. Um, oh, so many of them. Yeah. So you like news-based, story-based news type. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Do you ever listen to that on NPR? Yes, I do. Oh, like. I love it. Paula Poundstone <laughs> has a new one out that's like sitting in my queue <laughs> yeah. that I really want to listen to. I haven't gotten to yet today, but um, she's hilarious. I love her. So I'm going to listen to that one probably on my way home. <laughs> so is that kind of your downtime also, your recharge time? I do. I love... I put the headphones on so it's pretend quiet you know yeah. I don't have to listen to whatever else is going uh, going on and just yeah kind of being uh, in my head a little bit with somebody else I guess <laughs> yeah so advice for um, someone going into middle school don't take anything personally okay. they are who they are because they're walking around with a lot of stuff those kids because they can be you know they can they can kind of be mean but it's not personal and um, classroom management if you're going to be a teacher the number one thing you need is classroom management above all else doesn't matter if your lesson plans are great you gotta you gotta have control of your kids okay so that that's from a teacher's perspective absolutely oh did you mean from the kids perspective yeah yeah but I was going to ask you that next so okay so Uh, for teachers (laughs) classroom management classroom management and Um, don't things don't take things personally yeah anything else um ask for help you know, make sure yeah. you, you choose a school uh, where where it's just positive vibes um, and get help. Nobody, you nobody can do this on their own. Absolutely cannot get help from your peers, mm-hmm. uh, and don't be at a school where everybody sits in the break room and complains because that's not a good. It's just not going to be a good environment. Right, uh, be at a helpful place. And if you are, don't be a part of it. Don't be a part of it. Yeah, it's better to sit in your classroom and and be online on lunch, you know, and be on uh, message boards and get help that way. Then then you don't want to get caught in the negative complaining everything's horrible everything's bad this kid's terrible no they're not like yeah. that, it's not that it's good teaching's a good job it's a yeah. good gig. I'm on summer vacation so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it's a well earned summer vacation for all teachers but um oh that's a nice perk <laughs> yeah oh yeah I'm sure and yeah for kids for the kids yes. for anybody going into middle school um so if you're first coming to middle school and it's funny because I've got a, a specific person in my head who I've known since she was four years old and she's coming to my school this year and she's you know so nervous and excited so for her and everybody else um have fun um step out of your comfort zone I mean you kind of have to um everybody's nervous everybody's nervous so don't think you're the only one who's thinking you're going to get lost or you're going to be late to class and everybody turns and looks everybody's afraid um and um stay organized you know it's a lot to juggle um you're coming from usually some schools will have like maybe they have two or three teachers they compartmentalize now um but oftentimes just one teacher and you're you're getting thrown into um upwards of seven teachers be organized you know just Mm -hmm. be on top of it write down like all your homework because you won't really remember when you get home yeah and you know i think that's great advice just for anybody in general yeah (laughs) stepping into a new unknown situation it's scary right? yeah, it's, it's scary. always scary absolutely listen thank you so much for coming in thank you for and having it's me it's great to see you again yeah and I hope that uh, you have a wonderful school year thank you teaching is known as the most noble profession and I couldn't agree more For information on how to become a teacher with the Clark County School District located in Las Vegas visit ccsd.net. Thanks as always for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode, visit the Leadership Looks Like Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you.
Leadership Looks Like is a podcast dedicated to leaders everywhere. Our mission is to show that leaders come from all different backgrounds, ages, colors, shapes, and sizes. For more information about our project or to become a contributor, visit leadershiplookslike.org. Sign up for Fresh Start Mondays and get access to free leadership tips delivered to your inbox every Monday. To subscribe, visit leadershipexcursion.co forward slash subscribe. And finally, The Coop, Las Vegas' newest co-working location with a focus on community and collaboration. If you're a small business owner looking for office space and amenities and would like to be located in Summerlin, visit thecoopcowork.com. Until next time, continue to inspire and support one another through effective leadership. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. See you again next week.